I'm going to be speaking again, carrying on where I was last week. So we've been doing a series on the power of the tongue. And uh, we did a series for about four weeks on taming the tongue and all the different ways that people speak destructively and speak words that uh, impact negatively the lives around us. And uh, then this last uh, couple of weeks, we've been looking at the creative power of the tongue, how we can actually speak words that change our lives, change our environment. So we're going to just pick up where we, just uh, with a couple of scriptures you're familiar with. I keep going through the same scriptures because I know then you'll get them into your mind and heart. Proverbs uh, 18.21, how many can remember already what that is? Death and, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it shall eat the fruit of it. In other words, whatever words we speak, begin to shape what's around us, shape our relationships, shape the way we are, and we have a fruit from the things we say. So already you have a fruit you're eating from the words you have sown into relationships and have spoken over your life over times past. And uh, I was uh, with uh, one group of people the other day. Uh, we were just uh, having, a, uh, a, uh, we were having a lunch with a friend. And uh, as we went down, I was just looking around, see if there's anyone I knew, found someone I knew, went over and said, hello, it was a birthday party. So, well, it's great. So we congratulated them on the birthday and said, well, we've got a tradition here. What we're going to do, we're going to sing happy birthday. So we've got everyone around who was anywhere near us. We all sang happy birthday out loud. And uh, then I said, well, we've got another tradition and we're going to start it. And that is, uh, we like to speak words that impart honor and value into people. And, uh, and one, of the, one of the family members, not my family, one of the family members, me says, Oh, we don't do that in our family. Isn't that amazing? And I said, well, that was your past. You can choose a different future. And it begins today. So I'll show you how to do it, and then you can be next. <laughs> and it changed the whole environment. Changed the whole environment. Isn't it interesting how someone had got fixed in their mind, well, we don't do things that way. Why would you ever agree with that? when you can disagree with it and change it and change yourself and change your future. And we need to be willing to do that. So creative words. And so it was just wonderful to just to see them begin to talk and share words of affirmation that spoke a value into that person. So let's have a look in James chapter 3. I want to go back to that one again. And then we'll start off where we want to go today. So in James chapter 3. So we saw that words, words have power in them. You know, you've heard the old saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That is not true. Because long after the bones have been fixed, <coughs> the words and names you've been called are still ringing inside you like a message that won't go away, defining who you are. And you cannot let your past define who you are. You cannot let what other people say define who you are. You must let God define who you are. And when you let God define who you are and say what he sees in you, what he's designed in you, and through relationship with him, you begin to embrace what he has to say, your life comes up to a different level. And uh, we're going to touch that a little bit later. In James chapter 3, let's go back there where we were. And he says uh, this, verse 3. Now we put a bit in a horse's mouth that it may obey us. And we turn the whole body. Isn't that amazing? Just one little part of the, the horse. You've got a hold of it there and control of it. You can control the whole horse. And then he says, now even so look at ships. Though they're so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants. So he uses two pictures, real easy to see. A horse and a ship. And it says both of them are controlled by something very, very small. And then in case we didn't get it, he says, it's the same with your tongue. If you can bridle the tongue and begin to change the words you're speaking, you will change the course of your life. You will change the course of your life. 
you will change the course of your life. Uh, Not listening to lots of messages is going to change the course of your life. can help. It's what you do will change the course of your life. And I want to share with you some things today that will help you. Uh, I'll develop them in depth or uh, in a different way a little later on into next year. But I want to, we were talking last week about the words we speak, the words that God spoke. They are spirit and they have capacity to bring a power to bear in the world beyond what's just natural around us. Jesus said, the words I speak, they are spirit and they are life. And so when Jesus spoke words, many things changed. The supernatural was released. There was a spiritual dimension unlocked as he spoke the word of God. And so the Bible is very clear that when you and I begin to start to tame our tongue and master our tongue, begin to speak differently, our life's direction will begin to change. And we looked at uh, several areas that we wanted to change, but the most important one, the one I want to look at today, is the shaping your own world, shaping your inner world by the Word of God. Because if you don't shape or change what's inside you, mostly what's outside you will remain very, there will be very little change. I, I, I talk and counsel a lot of people at times, and always they're looking for something outside them to shift. The belief inside is that if just I get a better chance, or if I just win lotto, if I just strike it lucky, or something, if I just get a break, that they're looking for an external thing, and they're, they're putting their hope in something external like that will actually shift everything for them. The reality is it doesn't work that way. We had a guy over the road from us, and, and he thought that way. He won $50,000 in a uh, scratchy lotto thing. And, uh, and so he's very happy for a little while, and he thought his whole life would change. I thought, well, you know, unless he's changed on the inside, he, it'll be about a year, and he'll have lost it all. In the end, I couldn't stand it anymore. I went over and said, listen, for goodness sake, get a house. Do something with your money. He was just, it was just all just being frittered away. He had already done 25000 when I intervened to try to help him and give him some advice to actually help him get direction. Because he didn't change inside, a change externally didn't make any difference. You can run away from your problems, but you, the problems are inside you. And so next place you go, that funny thing there, the same, same things are happening there. Okay, so we want to look about changing your inner world, and particularly my focus is on the Word, shaping your world by the Word of God, and particularly words you speak. And uh, I want you to look with me in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. And uh, so the first thing we'll look at is changing the way we speak. Changing how we speak. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. And uh, Paul has uh, been writing about uh, what Christ has done for us and the position he's given us. And now he begins to talk about how to live your life. And uh, he talks about some changes to make in our lifestyle. And here's one of them. He says, verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. In other words, saying, you need to change the way you talk after you've given your life to Christ. You need to change the way you speak. This is the life before Christ. We tend to speak all kinds of negativity, all kinds of things are in our hearts and life. When we come to the Lord and our inner life changes, we're born again inside. Then he says, you need to change how you speak and how you uh, address the outer world. He says, notice this, he said, you should uh, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. That's stop doing that. He says, now look what he tells us to do. He says, but rather speak words which are good for edification or building up. Just stop there for a moment. He said, change from negative talk, critical talk, putting down talk, uh, destructive talk, bitter talk, harsh talk. He says, begin to actually start to commit yourself to speak words that, ha- that are building up words. 
that acknowledge good things, that, that, that honor people, that value people, that appreciate people, start to speak differently. Now notice this. He said, speak words that are good for edifying. Now notice this, that they may impart grace to the hearers. That word impart means to transfer or to put into someone's life, to bring into them something which they need. And the word grace always in the Bible refers to the power of God. By by grace you're saved. In other words, it's the power of God that changes us on the inside when with faith we respond to Christ. So he's saying, notice this, he's saying this. He's saying, now, start to speak words that release the life of God to those who hear or are responding to what you're saying. So you, now, he wouldn't tell us to do that if it wasn't possible for you and me to speak words that release the spiritual life of God to encourage, lift up, and refresh, and touch people. Many of you have had an experience where someone prayed for you or had a prophetic word, and your heart just suddenly just overwhelmed as you felt the love of God touch you. You felt the Spirit of God flow through that person's words and impact your life and heart. So you and I can speak words that impart grace, that empower people, release the life of God. And one of the greatest dilemmas in families is silent men. Men who have the power to speak words that could change Young people in their thinking and their outlook, but they don't say anything. And so one of, the, one of the things that God has given all of us the ability to do is to speak words that can release grace, release the life of God. You don't even know, like you don't feel any different. You're just speaking from your heart. You're speaking the things that you have in your heart. They're speaking out of the life you're living with Christ. And what happens is the words have an effect you just were surprised by. There's a life flow within your words. Because you're joined to the Lord. He that's joined to the Lord is one spirit. So as we speak, words go out. Now, let me, the word hearer means someone who's listening attentively. Who is it you listen to most of all? Yourself. The one you hear talk more than anyone in the world is yourself. Is that not true? You're talking to yourself all the time. Thoughts going through the head, even right now, so you'll be thinking, agreeing, disagreeing, feeling hot, tired, thinking about lunch. There's thoughts going on all the time. There's stuff going on. Your mind just doesn't zone out completely, you know. There's thoughts are going on all the time. About 30 to 40 words a second I, I read about. That's an awful lot of words. A lot of words, a minute rather. A lot of words going on inside you. And you're either agreeing with those words or rejecting those words, but there are a lot of words going on inside you, and some of them you're agreeing with, and many of them you speak out. And the ones you speak out means you've come into agreement with what you're thinking, and they begin to start to impact you. You're hearing what you say. Now, if our words have power to impart grace to those who hear them, you have the power to speak words of encouragement and strength into yourself. Now, a lot of people say, oh, well, no one encouraged me. Encourage yourself. Well, no one's really spoken words that lift them up. Well, okay, do it to yourself. Take God's words and begin to speak them into your own life. The Bible says when David, 1 Samuel 36, when David was in this huge problem place, You know, he'd lost everything in the middle of it all when everything was disastrous. He strengthened himself. He must have said something. He spoke words 
that strengthened himself in his relationship with God and in his faith, and it turned the day. What a brilliant example that is. A man whose whole life looks as though it's just just gone down the sinkhole, and in the middle of it, when everyone is talking failure, defeat, grieving, weeping, he spoke differently. He spoke words that strengthened himself in the Lord. And the result of it was, he heard God afresh, and the direction he got carried him through, and he ended up the day better off than he had been before he heard the bad news. How did he do it? Well, you can read that in Bill Johnson's book. You can find some great keys on that. And I'll share some things on that. But we'll talk a little bit about it today because there are some basic principles you do need to understand on how to speak words to build yourself up. That'd be a good thing, wouldn't it? Tell someone next to you, you need to encourage yourself. <laughs> need to encourage yourself. Now, a lot of the words we're speaking to ourselves are just kind of like, oh, I need to get that done today. Man, I mustn't forget that. A lot of it's just uh, neutral kind of words. But there are some other kind of words which are different. And there are many words we speak which are actually completely destructive to us and very limiting. Oh, I can never do that. Often, you know, the first time I, you ever ask people to do so, oh, I can never do that. Who said that? Who on earth told you you could never do that? How many here in the church have found themselves... You've been here a while, and you've done things you'd never thought you could have done. How many have done things? Look at that, all over. See? Because you just needed some words that would build you up and encourage you so you'd stretch out and do things you'd never done before. So obviously, you were limited in your thoughts and limited in what you were saying on the inside. There was a need to change. It's very well known, of course, in the sports field, this whole issue of self-talk, and insurance people use it, sportsmen do it. The cutting edge between winners and losers in the sports field is often not about the talent, it's about the inner mentalities, and that is generated and developed by what they think on and what they say to themselves. I can do it. I can do it. So there's an inward talk that goes on. So even naturally, without any presence of God, it's understood in the secular world that you can actually improve your performance by speaking the right kind of things to yourself and stopping the whining negative talk. How much more then, if you're a Holy Spirit-filled believer and you begin to start to speak words into your own life, how you yourself will begin to change on the inside. But you've got to do it. See, can I can tell you the message and I can tell you the how, I can get alongside you and show you what to do, but at the end of the day, when you walk away, you've got to do something. You just have to decide, the end of 2008, I will be enlarged in my capacity. I will have changed some things in my life. And one thing I'll change is the way I talk, and particularly the way I talk to myself. I'm going to begin to speak differently. I'll talk to you a little bit about what to speak. See, So we can, that word in part, grace means to supply something needed to build and strengthen you from the resources God has made available. Amazing, eh? You can build yourself. There was a season in my life where I had to make a conscious decision to devote time specifically to building myself. Now, a lot of Christians get this religious kind of thinking that, oh, well, you know, that's, you know, just be thinking about other people doing stuff for other people. Now, listen, you can only give to others what you've received. If you can grow and increase your personal capacity and mentalities and skills and attitudes, you've got more to give. Even the world understands that. 
If you just come in and you have no skills, you get paid a low rate. But if you go away and you train and you learn new skills, you're worth more. You have more to give. Well, now, what a tragedy for people who remain Christians and never do anything to improve themselves, to increase their value. You know, you can have one year's Christian experience ten times. Or you can have ten years' experience. You've got to think about that. What have you done to put into practice what you learned this year? Okay then, so now let me just read you another verse, Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. See, Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. Look what it says here. It, and God is talking to Isaiah, a prophet. And this is what, he makes an interesting statement in Isaiah 55. And this is what he says. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways of doing things higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Okay, let's just stop there for a moment. Now, what he's saying is he's not being negative. He's just saying this. He's saying a human being without God is limited in their thinking. What he's saying is, I, the thoughts I think are far higher than what you would think. They're bigger than what you think. They have more value than what you have. If you would connect with me and begin to listen to my thoughts and come into agreement with them, your inner life would shift and change, and then your world would change. So he says, my ways of doing things. Now, for example, one of the ways of God doing things is, uh, is serving. Jesus came. He said, I've come not to expect anything or to get anything from anyone. I've come to serve and give my life. Now, very clearly... The greater you are at serving, the greater influence you have. But often people think the other way. More natural for us to think, I've got to get myself ahead. But actually, if you serve and value and invest into people, which is a God's way of doing stuff, it actually works. And so many things you find in life, people are struggling trying to make life work. But God says, listen, tune in. I know how it works because I designed it. He says, my ways of doing things have got greater value than your ways. Some ways we do things are fine. He said, there's other better ways of doing things. He said, if you can lock in with my words and my thoughts, and you begin to agree with them, and you begin to let them be a part of you, then your life will come up to a different level. My life now is a completely different level to what it was 10 years ago. And that was a completely different level to what it was 10 years before that. The more I've come into agreement with God's thoughts about me and about life and about what could be done and what I could do, the more my life changes. So who's responsible for that? You are. So to change your inner world, to change your inner world or shape your inner world, you actually have to change what's inside your heart. See, the thing is, and let me just read this verse here. I want you to have a look at me in Proverbs 23 and verse 7. I'm going to talk about changing your inner world, and then I'm going to give you some several little keys on what to do, how specifically you go about changing your inner world. I'm not just going to exhort you and tell you it's possible. I want to show you actually how it happens. And then it's only a matter of just putting the discipline and the commitment into working with yourself. Why wouldn't you work with yourself? You have great value to God. Oh, I can see straight away some thoughts come up. No, I'm not much value. Who told you that? And why do you agree with that? I found very often when I ask someone, why don't you pray for yourself? They can't pray for themselves. And when you explore why they can't pray for themselves, it's for this reason. Their belief about what their value is is very low. And they don't realize they have great value to God. 
And so they can pray for everyone else except for themselves. They can ask for everyone else except for themselves. God wants you to know you're of great value. But someone a long time ago or experiences may have told you you're not much value. Someone may have spoken it over your life. And if you've come into agreement with those words, they define who you are. And I want my life defined by what God says I am and what I can do. Think about that. See, don't let your past define you. Don't let friends define you. You need to let God's word, God's your designer. He knows what you're capable of. And I can tell you now, I can absolutely assure you now, you're capable of much more in 2008 than you did in 2007. You are capable of much, much more. But to position yourself for that to happen, you've got to be willing to change how you think about yourself. Next time we'll talk about how to change the atmosphere around you, then we'll talk about how to change the world around you, how you actually bring influence of God to bear through words you speak. But right today, we'll just look at, first of all, defining your inner world. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. As a man thinks in his heart. So the Bible uses the word heart, not your physical heart. It's describing your inner man, the heart of the matter, the core of the matter. So when the Bible's talking about your heart, it refers to the inner man. The Bible describes us as being made up with body, soul, and spirit. We're a spirit being. We have capacity to interact with the spirit world. We're a human being. We have capacity to live and function in a physical world. And the soul is the connecting point between the two. If a person's in this world without God, then they're, they, they're cut off from that life that God could give them. When we connect with the Lord, then we have access to the life of God. Okay, then now, in, uh, in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34 and 35, it says this, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart. So you have to do more than just change what you're saying. We do have to address the issues of the heart. And I'll show you just in a moment how that takes place. It's not very difficult. Nothing in God is very difficult. Never is. But if I just try to control my words and change my words and don't change what's going on inside me, I'll actually find I'm slipping back into old ways. Some of you who would have had a real trouble with swearing, and then you find every now and then suddenly you lose it, and you're back down that track again, even though you tried to stop. Right? And so we, because we've got to change the heart. So as we change what's inside us, then what's outside of us will shift easily. But the two work together, as we'll see in just a moment. Okay, so, what, so the words overflow what's in your heart. So what, when the Bible's talking about your heart and what's in your heart and what flows out of your heart, what will flow out of your heart will be things that you believe. You may be conscious of them or not conscious of them, but things you believe, things you've accepted as true. For example, if you've accepted, I'm of no value, it's going to affect everything. You, you'll have trouble receiving a compliment. You'll have trouble receiving uh, praise for anything you do. You'll have trouble receiving a gift. You'll have to give them, but very difficult to receive because inside, if you were really true, you actually don't believe you're of great value and not deserving of something. And these values, these beliefs form while we're younger, of course. Second thing is that are inside us in our heart are agreements. Agreement is something you've come into one mind or harmony with. Now, of course, the Bible tells us in the spirit world, there are demonic spirits, wicked and evil spirit beings that invade people's mind and body when they ever given an opportunity. And when they invade, they fill you with feelings and they fill you with thoughts. If you come into agreement with their thoughts and don't actually make a stand against them, 
then that demon is empowered to work in your life. It will continue to work until the day you come into disagreement with it. So some people, I found for years, for example, I struggle with thought patterns, and I was just in agreement with it. It never occurred to me that actually demonic spirits were riding in on the back of some hurts in my, uh, in my younger days and were just talking to me. They were just familiar thoughts. I could never do this. I'll never be good enough. Nothing ever do is good enough. Thoughts which were demonically empowered. So I found it really difficult to change initially until I realized I had to deal with it. One, I had to come into a disagreement with that thought and the spirit behind it. And then I had to begin to start to plant new thoughts. I remember when I went to a Danny Verk and got a school property there, they showed me the garden, and the garden was overgrown with weeds. Oxalis, actually. And there's no chance you could grow anything unless you pull out the weeds and plant something good. And many times when we look into our heart, we begin to see what we're saying, we're echoing what people said to us when we were younger. Some people have had dads said, oh, you're an idiot, you'll never do anything. And that thing's resonating away in the head. It's in the heart. I believe I'll never be any good at anything. And so we come to the Lord. Yes, we've accepted Jesus saved us. We've accepted, yes, he died on the cross for our sins. We've come into our initial connection with him. Now he wants to renovate the inside so you can actually accomplish his purpose for your life. That's why it's important to grow in the Lord, to continue to grow. Never stop growing. Never settle down. Never say, I've got enough. You have far more potential in you, but it'll be unlocked as you change what you're agreeing with, change what you believe. Another thing that we get into our heart and into our mind are mindsets. Mindset is like a mental rut. It's a way of thinking. Now, some people have got mindsets about Asians. Some people have got mindsets about Maori. Some people have got mindsets about white people. Some people have got mindsets about Africans. It's a fixed way of thinking. I must admit, when I faced uh, going to uh, Asia the very first time, God opened a door for me to go to minister to Chinese. Now, I had a bit of a problem because I had a bit of a, a mental set birthed out of my experiences with Chinese. The only Chinese I ever met were Chinese who were in the market gardens around here. They were very cold, very unfriendly. I didn't understand them, and they were different people. And I had, I would not say positive attitudes. And now God's called me to go to minister to them. Now, clearly, you can't do that unless you change your mindset. So the Lord had to help me to shift and let go the things I'd come into agreement with and begin to form new things. And I, I said to him, Lord, I don't know what to do. You've opened the door for me. I've got no idea how to connect with a culture that's so different to what I'm used to. And he said, uh, I, I said, how would I do it? And he gave me three keys. And I've just followed the three keys he gave me systematically for the last 20 years. And everywhere I go, I get favor. Now, you see, my, my thinking was lower than his thinking. He had the answers how to think, how to behave, how to speak, how to respond that changed everything around my relationship with the Chinese people. Now, I love them. And actually, I, can, I, I was uh, away with a... Uh, I was away in Taiwan for about three weeks, I suppose, ministering one time, came back, had to go into a chemist, pick up something, and there were two people there. There was a young New Zealand boy, there was a uh, young Chinese boy. I felt drawn to the Chinese boy, and I looked at him, I thought, man, I know what that draws, that's the Spirit of God drawing me. I said, you're from Taiwan, aren't you? He said, how did you know that? I said, because 
God had done something in my heart to connect me when I changed how I viewed Chinese people. Well, think about this. Some people have got it towards women. There are many men and men sitting here, and you have got mindsets about women. And that affects your capacity to grow and develop deep and meaningful relationships. And there are women here who have mindsets about men. And that affects your ability to enter into and have a long-term relationship with men. You're carrying baggage. And if you want your future to be better, you've got to, well, God, what do I do about this? How can I change what's inside me? And most of the time when I hear people talking about what the problem is, always the other partner. It's a shame, really, because you can't do anything about them. You don't do something about yourself. See? Because you're not responsible for them. You're responsible for yourself. Oh, God, we're quiet now. Those elbows are getting out. I can tell it. Hope you're listening. <laughs> okay. And, of course, uh, expectations are a part of our inner life, what we expect, what we're looking forward to, what we're anticipating. Some people got, a, I had a negative outlook, very negative, expected things to go wrong and to break and to go wrong for me. Oh, terrible, isn't it? Oh, it's very, very bad, really. Uh, judgments is another thing, you know, where you've actually formed an opinion about someone, about man or woman or life or whatever. So these are some things that get in our hearts. So we're going to shift. So if you're going to change what's on the inside, you have to identify the issues. You have to know what it is I need to change. And Fortunately, the Holy Spirit will help us. You ask him, show me what I need to change. Don't go saying, show him what he needs to change or show her what she needs to change. Show me what I need to change to grow to another level and enlarge my potential and capacity. Okay? Show me what I need. And he'll, he, he, he loves to answer that kind of prayer. Okay, then. Now, what kinds of things he will help you see? Now, and I'll put them in two categories, and then I'll show you just a strategy for working on some of these things. One group of areas that uh, affects how we see ourselves and how we speak, uh, the issue of past trauma that we've had, painful experiences. So I'll give you three areas. One, uh, broken relationships. If broken relationships are not resolved through forgiveness, the pain that we feel tends to cause us to lock up with certain mindsets. And so you can try and change the mindset, but if you don't deal with the root issue that's feeding it, it doesn't shift easily. So I found, for example, when I was coming to deal with myself, I had come to the point of a, a situation of forgiveness of perceived unfairness I'd felt towards my own father. See? But I had to deal with it in order to break free from the past to be able to be changed by the Word of God to go forward. So many times to move forward, we have to actually release or identify issues of uh, broken relationships and release forgiveness. If you don't, you lock into mindsets and you're speaking negative. You speak destruction over your life. Okay? Second area that we need to deal with is areas of griefs, where there's been a grief, a disappointment, a loss. It could be uh, a death of someone close to us, a loss of some kind of business, unexpected tragedy, uh, a marriage or family breakup. But the grief of it, I was just talking with someone last Sunday and I was very sad to hear that their marriage had broken up because I could have helped them. They didn't need to break up. The, the problem was this, that there was grief. And I pointed out to them about a year ago what I saw was a problem that was developing. They stood up to address it, and then the grief, they turned on one another. What a tragedy. 
See? So griefs, if we don't deal with the griefs in our heart and release them and let them go and grieve over them and move on, we just stay angry and no amount of positive confession or faith confession will shift it. We do have to address the issues of the heart. So there's relationships, grief, bitter judgments are where we judge or make a judgment about someone based on a bitter feeling. Now those kind of things lock us in to things and put an emotion, there's an emotional power inside and demons get in and around. It's hard to shift it. It doesn't shift easily. It's much easier if you do what God says. You know what he says? Someone hurt you? Just says, forgive them. So easy. If you just do it. He says, my way is, he says, oh, well, my way is I want to stay angry at them. God says, I've got a better way. It's a higher way. Just forgive them and let them go and move on. Oh, that's not fair. Well, that's your way of thinking. God says, no, I know it's not fair. But nevertheless, just let it go. It'll empower you to move on. Okay then, so let's just talk then about some of the steps that you can, uh, so there's the first thing, a relationship, second group are the area of uh, words, words we've come into agreement with. I know, I just remember uh, uh, praying for one lady one day, and as I went to pray for her, these words come up into my mind. No one ever wanted me. I suddenly heard these words come into my mind, and I realized, the Spirit of God was showing me, this is what controlled this woman. She had come to believe years ago when she was a little girl, had gone through a conflict in her home, no one ever wanted me. And so she lived her life out of that belief. And uh, I just prayed for her. I didn't even ask her about it. I laid hands on her, broke the power of those words that said no one ever wanted me and spoke the truth. And she just broke down and wept and wept and wept. And there was a tremendous freedom came to her life. I said, now the power of that thing you've come into agreement with is broken. Now you need to begin to face the issues of forgiveness and then change how you think. No longer agree with it. You are a value. God loves you. God values you. God wants to work with you. Okay then. So beliefs and mindsets. So these are the things that need to change. Now, what I want to do is share with just a couple of simple keys on how to shift them. How can I shift what's going on? How can I use God's word to shift the things? Now, just remembering that God's words have a power of spirit life. Jesus said, the words I speak are spirit in their life. Number two, that God's thoughts or ways are higher than ours. So initially, we may find ourselves react to what God says. And what I want to show you is just some simple steps. I know they work. I've worked them myself. And they changed the whole way I viewed life, and they changed particularly the way I viewed myself and then my capacity to receive from God. I want to just give them to you very, very simply. Take a note of them, and uh, if you can't get a note, take the, get the CD or get something like that, but just put these things to it. The first thing was, uh, and, and it goes almost without saying, is, uh, is I need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ for this reason. The Bible tells us when we're born in this world, we're born without God, so we've got to try and get along on our own, do it our own way. So when we come to a place of faith and relationship with God, we open ourselves to His help. We open ourselves to His grace. We open ourselves to His power being able to touch us. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 6, 17, if you are joined to the Lord, you are one spirit. There's a oneness of connection. So that means you now have the ability to draw on the life of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that's the first thing. The first step to a significant change in your inner world is to actually respond to God's love, God's gift to you. He loves you and values you. The first thing is to agree with that and become connected with him. Okay, here's some other things that you can do. Okay, second one is we can identify and resolve the personal issues we have. If you realize that the Holy Spirit, I mean, I remember speaking to 
some of our young people over the last year, and, and I had spoke to them probably on and off for about a year or two years over issues that block them going forward and growing. So you just got, if you will deal with this issue, your capacity and the life of God around you will increase. Just would you deal with it? Deal with it. In the end, I spoke to one and said, just deal with it now. And I gave them a 10-day period, and they did it, and their life changed. And uh, see, so we need to resolve relationship issues, unforgiveness, hurt, those kind of things. Just resolve it, forgive. Jesus said very clearly when you stand praying, if you've got anything against anyone, just forgive them. Release them. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Grieve over it. Let it go so you can move on. Then, the third thing is, practice speaking out and breaking agreements with negative words. Learn how to break agreements with negative words. Now, if you've never learned to speak things out over your life, then this will be a bit of a challenge for you because just even hearing your own voice will be a shock. Now, for some people, just hearing their own voice speaking is a bit of a shock. But, but we can speak. Remember, I can speak words that change my inner world. So one of the things I began to do was this. The first thing I did was I actually dealt with some of the unresolved relationship conflicts in my life. By forgiving, grieving over it, letting it go. That means I could move on instead of being tormented by it. The second thing I did was I began to identify where I was in agreement with certain mindsets. Self-pity, poor me, no one cares. I had to actually stand against it and break its power. In the name of Jesus Christ, I break the power of self-pity. I cancel those words. I reject those words and the spirit behind them. You actually got to stand up. You come into disagreement with it, not settle with it, let it be over you. You got to stand up and disagree with it. Okay? Uh, another one was rejection. I felt like I was not acceptable. So I had to actually stand up and speak word. In Jesus' name, I break that mindset of rejection. I break the power of that spirit behind it. I refuse its hold over my life in Jesus' name. Actually, I had to make a stand against it. And there were a number of areas. I had to make a stand against. If you don't make a stand against some things which are negative in your life, they're going to continue to dominate your life. You must get some grunt and fight in you and stand up. Disagree with them. Some people just want perpetual counseling. What they really need is to stand up and take personal responsibility for your life and begin to contend with the things which are contrary to what God says is for your life. If he says he has accepted you, why do you live with a lie of rejection? I'm not accepted. I don't belong. I'm of no value. Why live with a lie when God says, I love you and have accepted you because of your trust in Jesus Christ? Well, I found, yes, I knew it in my head, but my heart didn't know it. So I still lived like I was a rejected person. I had to change my heart by speaking the word of God and contending and standing against the things which were negative. You've got to resist them. Don't let them settle on you. Some people live their life bowed down because they're accepting this kind of negative thought, rejection, defeat, self-pity, bitterness, all this kind of stuff. You've got to take a stand against it. Come into disagreement with it. Disagree with it. Disagree with it. You know how long you've agreed? I decided it would probably take me a little while, and so I set aside about three to six months to come into disagreement with those things which I saw dominated my life. And, of course, it's not a matter of just coming to disagreement. you actually got to sow something. Here's the next thing. Next thing is search out and embrace what God says about you. 
Find out what God has to say about you. You've got a lot of good things to say about you. Find out what he has to say. Oh, that'd be a bit much work. Well, listen, mate, it'll change your life. Do it. The Word of God will change your life. It's given to build you up so you're equipped for every good work. You need to know what God says about you. If you don't know, let someone help you. So when we read what God says, we get his thoughts on us. He says, I have redeemed you. I love you. I have accepted you. I forgive you. I have a destiny. You've got a lot of things to say. Got a lot of things to say. And so if we don't agree with what he says, then we're locked into the old ways of thinking which limit us. So for example, he tells us how to come to him. He says, come boldly to the throne of grace. So he doesn't say to come timidly and quietly. He says, come boldly. So you see, if I don't know what he says, how can I be in agreement with it? You know what I'll agree with? I'll agree with what everyone around me said or my tradition or my background or whatever. You've got to go to what God says is the thing we ought to do and believe that. So find out what God has to say. In Jeremiah 15 verse 16, he says, I found your words and I ate them. I took them right into my life and they were the joy and rejoicing of my heart. So God's word coming into our life shifts us and changes us. You can't believe how many people, hundreds and thousands of people by now, have come into tremendous freedom because we broke the power of things that were over their life. The demons that were in them got out. The presence of God and the Word of God came in. I've got letter after letter after letter of people who felt God loved them for the first time in their life. And how did that happen? The power of Spirit-anointed words spoken from someone who had changed and believed what he was saying. Okay, so find out what God has to say. Then, here's what you do. You need to begin to declare it. This is the key parts, these next two parts. First, resolve the conflict. Secondly, break the agreements with the negative patterns of thinking as you identify them. Some say, oh, I can never get anything right. Stop saying that. Disagree with that. Some people, are, you know, they've got words spoken over, you're a fool, you're a failure. No, God has not planned failure for you. He's planned success for you. You've got to break those agreements with those negative things. Now, who's going to do it? I'm sorry, but unless you do, it's not going to happen. You have to make a decision in 2008. I will arise. I will no longer stay limited with my current limitations. I'm going to begin to start to contend to break out. And that means I'll change on the inside. Now, here's the next two parts which are really important. Declare strongly God's word over your life as an affirmation. We need to learn to declare what God says over our lives. Now, see, a lot of people are very familiar with the, the 23rd Psalm, for example. They all know the 23rd Psalm. Oh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and so on and so forth. Eh? Uh, see, but now, what you need to do is to make, take it from just being a statement by one man, David, and personalize it and make it your statement. Lord, you are my shepherd, I have an abundance of everything I need. See? You make me lie down. In green pastures you lead me. You restore my soul. Today I thank you, you are leading me in right paths because you're a good shepherd. You have to, to, to get the word of God to work in your life, you need to find a promise of God, personalize it, make it so it's personal. I, me, my. Secondly, it needs to be simple and direct. Always make it positive. So I never go declaring the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I have an abundance of everything I need. 
He leads me in right paths. Thank you today, Lord. You are leading me and guiding me in every step and everything I do. You actually need to declare God's word over your life. And as you declare it, speak it into yourself. Hear what you're saying. And if you need to speak up, tell yourself, speak up! Don't mumble! Okay, listen, not like that. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I'm full of every abundance of everything. Get positive instead of mumbling away. Mumbles don't change anything. You learn to speak. Speak the word of God into yourself and hear what you're saying. Because the Bible says, as you hear the word of God, faith rises in your heart. Now, this is what will happen. When you personalize and speak the word of God over your life on a daily basis, it begins to change what you believe about yourself. And as it changes what you believe, you begin to change. You've got to do it. Personalize it. Take scriptures. Speak them. I'm accepted today. I thank you, Lord. I have acceptance. See, a lot of people don't know how to pray and make their prayers personal. Thank you, Lord. I'm accepted in you today. My sins are forgiven. I walk in freedom today. I thank you. I can boldly come into your presence today. Now, that's just taking scripture and declaring it over my life. Now, what happens when you keep doing that is you begin to change on the inside. You hear your own words. You hear yourself speaking positive, encouraging, life-giving, spirit the words and you get lifted up and you change your inner man changes and finally the last thing to do is to place with that uh, the the Bible talks about meditating now non-Christian meditation is about emptying yourself until there's a vacuum all kinds of stuff can come into but Christian meditations always means picturing imagining visualizing seeing God's word over and over and over we say we learned our tables by heart. It meant we memorized them by repetition. In Joshua 1, chapter 8, he says, that, uh, he said, these words that I speak shall be in your mouth are not to part out of your mouth. He said, but you meditate on them day and night to do them, and then you will make your own way prosperous. This is what you need to do. I'll share this in more detail in, in another uh, thing. I'll just make a focus on it and show you how to do it. And uh, we have done this overseas with uh, large numbers of people hungry for God, and got them meditating in the Word of God, and they began to encounter and experience the reality of God. Meditation opens the way for you to begin to experience the reality of God. So meditating. So what do I meditate? The Lord is my shepherd. So I need to picture and see that as a reality. What would it look like if the Lord was my shepherd? See, for many people, oh, Lord's my shepherd, I say, I don't want it. It's just a prayer. It's never actually become an experience for you. It's never become your reality until it becomes your reality. It's just a prayer in the Bible, a nice prayer. Pray it when you're dying. But what I want to do is to pray it now and live by it. And so I took some time, probably for the best place of six months, praying that prayer. Sometimes I go through the whole lot, sometimes just one Lord, you're my shepherd. The word shepherd is a friend and companion. So I begin to picture and meditate him being near to me, very near. If he's a shepherd, he's near to me. And meditating means you're declaring, you're speaking, and you're picturing what God's word is being true. I imagine what that would be to feel like he's my friend because all I really could imagine and feel was being alone. 
So time spent with the Word of God, confessing it, declaring it, and meditating in it, it began to find root in my heart. And I knew it changed one day because one day I suddenly encountered the experience of God's love for me as a personal friend. I wept and wept and wept. It became that real. Before that, it was a little hard going. I didn't feel a thing. It was just I was doing it because I knew this was somehow going to get me to change on the inside. Afterwards, for about three months afterwards, any time I'd sit with anyone and pray the 23rd Psalm with them, they'd all break down and cry because what I had experienced of the reality of God started to flow to touch them. Now, you have to make the decision whether you'll accept life at this level in the next year or whether you will work with yourself to grow and enlarge in your faith, your capacity, your mind, your way of viewing. If you let the Spirit of God and the Word of God renew your mind and you're in a man. The Bible says, don't let the world shape you and push you down into its mold, but be totally shifted and changed so you become quite a different person by renovating your mind, renovating what you believe, renovating you're in a man. I've given you the keys to it today. All you've got to do is begin to start to put them into practice and you can begin to shift whatever it is in your life at this point needs to shift. For some, it may be a poverty mindset. Poverty mindset goes like this. There's not enough. There's not enough. And a person can be very young and be deeply wounded by not having enough. They go to school. They haven't got the clothes. Everyone else has got everything secondhand. They get deeply wounded, deeply hurt, begin to begin to think, it's not enough, not enough. So they begin to decide, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll really make sure I'm never in that position. You know, so they grow and they work and they train and they get to do very well. And they're really doing well. They've got a heap of money. But you know what their prevailing mentality is? They're not enough. I've seen people with heaps of money. And you know what they're saying to themselves? It's not enough. Said, how much is enough? But the message inside is not enough. They've got a message of poverty, even they've got all the money around them. Now they need to shift on the inside and change on the inside, and then all their outer world will change. You can shape your world within by the Word of God. Father in heaven, we just thank you right now for your love and care and kindness to us. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for all that you do and continue to do. Thank you for the keys on how to change how to shift on the inside. Just while our eyes are closed and heads are bowed, there may be someone here today, you've been thinking about spiritual things maybe for a long time, and one of the first keys to a change, a a significant change in your inward life, is to have a relationship with God through a personal faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says people are born into this world without God. We live our life without Him. We try the best we can, do what we can. But the Bible calls it sin, a living a life apart from our Creator. Jesus came to give us that life. And and the Bible says this, whoever received him, whoever put their trust in him, he gave the power to become a child of God. So there's something required of us, not just to acknowledge Jesus was a historical figure, but to acknowledge he died on the cross for my sins. He rose from the dead and to put my trust in him. To everyone who received him, to everyone who made him welcome in their life, To everyone who put their trust in him, he gave power to be a child of God.